Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the 64th episode of the Jaguar Report podcast. I am riding solo this week as I am unfortunately set to announce that co-host Gus Logue is no longer with the podcast. You see, I tweeted that people were upset about Calvin Ridley due to expectations in fantasy football. And Gus went on to say in the media room, John, aren't you people? So Gus has been let go and we'll be moving forward solo. No, Gus is on vacation. So it'll be just me previewing Jaguars versus Steelers. Big week eight game in the context of if the Jaguars win, they improve to six and two. And for like the good teams, like, the consistently good teams in the NFL, you know, the Eagles, the Chiefs, etc. Six and two, like it's obviously great, but it's also kind of the expectation. The Jaguars have only been six and two or better through eight games twice in their entire franchise history. 1998, 1999, two of the objectively best, if not the best teams the Jaguars have ever had. So the Jaguars are a win against Kenny Pickett away from you know, objectively one of the three best starts in franchise history, which is wild considering after week three, the panic button was being hit with a hammer, more or less, including, you know, even, you know, by myself. But it's a good lesson that NFL seasons are long, results wane basically week in and week out. And it's more about what you do over a large sample size than, what you maybe do in the opening month of the season. And also people's expectations don't matter. (laughs) They just, they don't matter. You know, what matters is what happens on the field on Sundays and also Thursdays and Mondays, whatever. No, it has the Jaguars offense been as good as people and I am people predicted. No, but no offense in the NFL really has. I mean, Miami's offense has obviously been extremely high powered. One of the best in the league, but, Even them, you know, they've played two good defenses this year, at least Buffalo's defense before half of their roster, you know, went on injured reserve. And their offense looked pretty mortal in both of those games. So I'm confident offenses in the NFL can score against the Carolina Panthers. But it seems like across the league, nobody's offense is really clicking at a super high and consistent rate, which leads me to believe that the Jaguars are right, you know, really where they want to be. So week eight. Pittsburgh Steelers. I am extremely fascinated in this matchup for a number of reasons. I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. Personally, I think Mike Tomlin is probably the second best head coach in the NFL right now after Andy Reid. Like just the consistency of his teams. Like the the Steelers should not be four and two right now at all. So I think that, you know, while the Jaguars are the better team on paper. While they have a better roster, while they clearly have a better quarterback, I do think any game with the Steelers is more or less a dogfight because of Mike Tomlin. So, Jaguars at Steelers, week eight. Jaguars had a lot of success there in the past. This will be Doug Peterson's first time over there as Jaguars head coach. 
I think the big thing to focus on, at least offensively, is the Jaguars versus TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. You know, those are two guys who are really good edge rushers in the sense of making game-changing plays. And I don't mean just like sacks and pressures and tackles for loss. Like they're obviously all good at that. But creating turnovers is one of the things that they are absolutely best at. And it's a Jaguars offense that has struggled, you know, with strip sacks, you know, over the last two years. You know, Trevor Lawrence, for all of his obviously high-quality traits, you know, the one thing is that he has struggled with throughout his entire NFL career is fumbles, you know, especially in the pocket. You know, he he's susceptible to strip sacks because, you know, good good friend, um, one of the best quarterback analysts out there, Derek Klassen, hypothesized that he's literally just – too skinny like his frame is too small to really protect the ball at times and it's easy for defenders basically to wrap around his entire frame and knock the ball out and you combine that with his never say you know die attitude on any given play and you know i think that's where you get you know you, you you're obviously going to live with the highs live with some of the lows and there aren't many lows but if there are any it's probably the fumble so i i think that is the big thing for the offense to watch this week. You know, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith each have two forced fumbles this year. Two guys who are really good at you know, TJ Watt's obviously one of the best pass rushers, overall defenders and players in the league. He can win in a number of ways. Alex Highsmith is a really good speed guy who can dip around the edge. He, he honestly, some of the type of pass rusher who I think, in my opinion, Cam Robinson has had some struggles with in the past. You're mostly going to see Cam Robinson versus Alex Highsmith and then TJ Watt versus Anton Harrison. And what I'm interested to see is how often the Jaguars basically leave Anton Harrison on an island against an all-pro defensive player of the year type player. Because you go back, you know, uh, Arjun Mignon, you know, a really good analytical, you know, guy on Twitter, put out a stat, you know, how often NFL offenses leave their offensive tackles on islands through weeks one through seven. The Jaguars are at the fourth highest clip behind just the Eagles, Colts, and Panthers. So they, they, you know, they basically leave their offensive tackles to, you know, fight on their own. They're not a big chip team. They're not a big max protect team. They do a lot of five-man protection. That came back to bite the Jaguars in one of their only two losses, obviously. Chris Jones versus Anton Harrison really, in my opinion, the deciding factor of that game was Chris Jones, you know, beating Anton Harrison on some key downs, on some money downs where the Jaguars otherwise would have had open options. The Jaguars' biggest mistake in that game was not giving Anton help. You know, it kind of seemed like a game that they they were thinking offensively, okay, this is how we play. It doesn't matter who's that tackle. Like Cole Van, Cole Van Landon could have been a tackle. And I feel like they wouldn't have given them up. But, you know, their mindset was this is how we play. We're not going to change who we are. But it, sometimes you just have to. You know, I, the Jaguars, yeah, they're not a big chip team. But, you know, Luke, Luke Farrell's like a <laughs> little spot in the passing offense, you know, should be as the chip guy. I'm interested to see how much that changes this week against the Steelers because this is the first game since the Chiefs game and they've played other good pass rushers since then, but no guys who I think, you know, you have to particularly worry about Anton Harrison on an Island against, you know, he has one of the lowest pressure rates of any 
right tackle in football, you know, this year. But now that you're playing against a guy like TJ Watt, who can impact the game, who I really no team <laughs> should ever leave on an island. Do the Jaguars change the philosophy? Because it was literally a reason that they lost one of their only games. That to me is going to be the most interesting thing to watch on offense is how much help do they give Anton Harrison? Because in my opinion, for as good of a rookie as he has been, I know there are some different things out there. He's like, I think dead last at ESPN's pass pro win rate. I, my, my stance in regards to which metrics matter. And like, there's a reason I never do stories and stuff on win rate from like them, like nothing against them. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't find much merit in the ESPN win rate metrics. I don't. They're double team metrics. I do. But in, in terms of blocking efficiency, I look at next gen uh, uh, sports info solutions and the blown block percentage is really good. Uh, PFF with their blocking efficiency. Those are the three places I trust more so when it comes to evaluating offensive and defensive linemen than ESPN's win rate metrics, just because I don't know. Gus, Gus put it well, you know, it feels like win rate, like, you know, a lot of it is distance between them and the defender or distance between them and the blocker. And that just doesn't add a lot of context on, you know, any given play. So I feel like Anton's been better than that ranking would, you know, suggest obviously but even then i think you still have to give him a lot of help against tj watt so if i'm the jaguars i'm playing luke farrell a lot this weekend and i'm basically telling him like you know okay even if you're you know running a route you know you your job is to get two hands on tj watt first you know that get you know that's the big thing you hear in the nfl like let's get four hands on the guy like they need to get four hands on tj watt you know in my opinion to really have a shot to keep the offense out of some of the turnovers that I think could hurt them. Because in my opinion, if there's any way for the Jaguars to lose, you know, this game or really any game against bad teams that they shouldn't, it's turnovers. You look at the Houston Texans game, you know, fumbles, interceptions, uh, block kicks, all those turnovers led, you know, to them losing to a team they shouldn't lose to. So if you don't want to lose to bad teams, don't turn the ball over. You got to protect the ball. It was almost a reason they lost last week to the Saints. You know, they fumbled twice in, you know, the first two quarters. Otherwise, the Steelers' defense, Cam Hayward might get back. He's not the, I'd say, elite defender that he once was, but he's still a really good player. He would probably give the Jaguars' interior line, you know, some some trouble. Keanu Benton, I think, is a really good rookie interior defense alignment. I honestly think he's, you know, Jalen Carter wasn't having a special rookie season. I think Benton would be getting a lot more pub. So I think he's a guy to really watch for the Jaguars this weekend. I think he can be a game wrecker. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, you have to be aware of where he is. He can do a lot of different things in coverage as a blitzer. Another guy who's really good at forcing takeaways. And then the cornerbacks. The cornerbacks is where I think the Jaguars can and should take advantage this weekend, even without potentially Zay Jones. I'm of the opinion that Zay Jones doesn't play this weekend because just covering Doug Peterson for two years now, normally it seems like his philosophy is like if you don't practice, you don't play. 
and no, like you can even practice like in a limited, like scaled down capacity. But if you're a DNP all week, I don't think that you play. So he he's missed practice Wednesday and Thursday, even though Peterson oddly said Wednesday before practice that he would practice this week. He hasn't practiced at all. So I'm thinking you don't see Zay Jones back until after the bye week. That obviously impacts a lot of their offense. Uh, check out Gus's Twitter feed. He is a really good example of how Zay's, you know, absence kind of creates an impact with the Jaguars passing game. You know, they would have Calvin Ridley as a point man, uh, Jamal Agnew going in motion, you know, and being the target. Would normally you'd have Ridley as the guy in motion and Zay Jones being the point man and setting things up. So, I'm interested to see how much the passing game changes when he gets back, but I don't expect St. Jones back until week 10 versus the 49ers. So even with that said, I still like the Jaguars matchups receiver wise. And obviously Evan Ingram against the guys that you're going to see, you know, in Pittsburgh's defense. I, I think Joey Porter Jr. has had a really encouraging season. He made some nice plays against Puka Nakua. Last week, a fellow rookie. So, P- Porter Jr. is obviously kind of their best cornerback, you know, falling away right now. I'd expect him on Ridley a good bit. Otherwise, Levi Wallace, the other outside corner, has really, really struggled this year. I'm not sure the Jaguars can take advantage of that, considering it's, you know, Agnew or Tim Jones or Elijah Cooks that would be out there. Maybe you split out Evan Ingram some and try to get that matchup, take advantage of that. Levi Wallace has struggled a lot this year. I think anytime you can get, you know, Zay Jones on Levi, not Zay Jones, my bad, Christian Kirk on Levi Wallace, I think that would be a win for the Jaguars. And then Patrick Peterson. I never would have guessed that Patrick Peterson would ever be a slot corner, like, (laughs) in his career. But that's, that's what he is right now for the Steelers. He played almost 30 snaps in the slot last week. Uh, it really seems like like that's the position in their defense that is you know really struggling at this point in time. I think it's a big Christian Kirk week. Uh, you know, you look at the Steelers defense, it's a lot of one high. They run, according to SIS, the ninth highest clip of man coverage in the league. They blitz at the fifth highest rate. So it's a man you know press blitz type team you know like we saw against the saints like we saw against the chiefs and those were big kirk weeks i think unfortunately for all the takes out there it'll be another big kirk week not a big calvin Ridley week and i expect people to freak out for the next two weeks about it but i mean the tape shows press taylor had a good quote about it yesterday ridley's presence alone opens up a lot for the jaguars and that's a big reason why kirk has been able to eat and I think it happens again this weekend. So, personally, I don't expect the Jaguars to have a lot of issues in the passing game as long as they can protect Lawrence on the edges and as long as Lawrence is, you know, taking care of the ball. In terms of the running game, the Steelers surprisingly have, you know, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL right now. They're, they're allowing, you know, over four yards a carry, and teams are really, you know, not struggling at moving the ball against them on the ground. So, it's kind of like a movable object meets a stoppable <laughs> force because the Jaguars don't have a good running game. 
Travis Etienne is obviously on a crazy pace. If he scores two rushing touchdowns, he'd be the first guy since LT did it in four straight games. And LT is like 28 touchdown a year, which is completely insane. But it's still not an efficient or effective running game on an every-down basis. They're kind of living and dying on ETN having a large volume and being able to break off a couple big plays here and there. Still, though, I like the Jaguars' offensive matchup overall against the Steelers' defense. I think it's a big Kirk week, not a big Ridley week. If that doesn't happen, you know, sue me. (laughs) I, I just That's what I see happening, so. We will break real quick and be right back to cover the defense. All right. Jaguars defense versus Kenny two gloves picket. I've never been shy about I I just I don't like Kenny Pickett as a quarterback. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I, I feel like every positive Kenny Pickett play is a play like your average NFL quarterback should make like okay good timing on this you know slant like like, he he doesn't in my opinion do anything that really moves me but on the flip side excuse me i need to sneeze sorry about that (laughs) but on the flip side the jaguars do have a defense that i'm not sure how well they can defend the back shoulder Sorry about that again. <laughs> it's it's tougher to break for sneezes when you're going solo here, you know? So apologies for that. But overall, I think the Steelers offense is just it it's struggling right now. You know, it has not been a good offense. My goodness. I'm, I apologize. I'm I'm really sorry, but it, it has not been a good offense really all season it's bottom six in both EPA per play and success rate. Like the Steelers boogeyman has been Matt Canada, but I don't think that's fair. I think the Steelers have a lot more issues than Matt Canada. I think they have offensive line issues, you know, Dan Moore. It, Iffy left tackle. You know, you saw when the Jaguars played the Steelers in the preseason game last year, like Dan Moore was basically getting, you know, the Jaguars are getting anything they wanted. And he has not gotten that much better since then. You look, you know, across the line, Mason Cole has really struggled at center. I know the Jaguars don't get a lot of pressure up the middle just because they don't really have the personnel to do so. But I do believe that, you know, they have the ability to generate some looks, uh, you know, pressure looks, you know, some overload formations, you know, maybe get Smoot and Walker in the middle to really take advantage of, you know, the Steelers' weaknesses across our offensive line. As for Kenny Pickett, I just – other than the back shoulder, and that, that's the one thing I think the Jaguars have to be wary of. It's, it's the only thing the Steelers' offense really does well is – The back shoulder throws to George Pickens that are explosive plays. George Pickens, a great vertical receiver. You know, to Pickens' credit, he's pretty accurate on the back shoulder passes. I think he missed one against the Rams that should have been caught. I mean, should have been completed. It was caught out of bounds, but it should have been completed. He threw it out of bounds. But otherwise, he's pretty good at that. 
Pickens is <laughs> Pickens is one of my favorite prospects in that draft coming out of Georgia because he obviously can do a lot of things well. You know, he's like your stereotypical X receiver. He can run pretty much any route. He's really good vertical. He's a good blocker. He's a, extremely unwell. <laughs> he's he's definitely going to do stuff during games. Like I I know people call him like the NFL like NBA young boy <laughs> like. But, you know, uh, Charles McDonald, you know, had a great quote on him last year. He said, every team needs one, you know, George Pickens, but just one. <laughs> they, they only need one. And obviously, George has had that big quote going around where he calls the Jaguars a hope defense. And, you know, it, he basically said that they rely on their front and that they hope that their front can get to the quarterback quick enough for the secondary to hold up. That obviously doesn't make any sense. The Jaguars are like a middling pressure rate team. I think they're like 17th in pressure rate. They're bottom five in sack percentage. Where they thrive is on the back end. You know, Andre Sisco's having a Pro Bowl year. Rayshon Jenkins, in my opinion, is having the best year of his career. Darius Williams is having arguably an all-pro level year. Trey Herndon's had best year of his career. Not sure if Tyson Campbell plays, but if he does, it's obviously another really good player back there. I think, like, the disconnect there, and I hate – I shouldn't say hate because I probably do it a good bit, but <laughs> crapping on other reporters. But Pickens – my issue was more so with the framing of the question and not the quote. I, I, to me, it the quote doesn't matter. Like, it's a funny quote, but it, who cares? It, it, it doesn't matter. It, like, who le- legitimately, who cares <laughs> what another player says? But to me, the framing of the question, it was like – the Jaguars have had the worst pass defense in the last few weeks. You know, why have they looked suspectable? And that is an absolutely insane thing to say. That is just, it, it's miseducated at best and woefully ignorant at worst. The Jaguars have given up the most passing yards in the NFL in the last three weeks. Do you know why? It's because no team has had more passes thrown against them. The last three games, quarterbacks have thrown 40 or more passes against them. You know, they've had 150 pass attempts against them in the last three weeks. The next closest team, the Bears, is at 127. The next closest team is at 107. During that span, the Jaguars are top 15 in completion percentage and yards per attempt allowed. They're number nine in passing EPA and number 10 in passing success rate. It's been a very good pass defense. Volume stats belong in like 2006, 2007 NFL. I I, I think I saw Fox Sports put out a graphic. It was like the five best defenses this year, and it was by like yards allowed per game. And I just want to like shake them and be like, no, that's not how any of this works anymore. But I will say that the Jaguars defense, like they've given up some plays, like explosive plays at times, like – Gardner Minshew completed three passes of, you know, 40-plus yards, and that due to some coverage busts in terms of communication. So they've given up the occasional explosive play, but the reason teams are throwing on them so much and to not even great results is because the Jaguars are taking away the running game in the first half of games. The Jaguars are getting up by a lot of points at halftime early in the game, and their run defense is completely shutting down opposing teams' running games. Nobody is finding success on the ground against the Jaguars and Mike Caldwell's unit in the NFL. Nobody. 
So that leads me to, you know, believe that teams are basically realizing early in games, okay, the only way we can hope to move the ball is to throw it, which leads to obviously the high pass attempts. So, you know, if if Kenny Pickett throws it 30 times, no, not 30, 40 times this weekend, that's a win for the Jaguars. Like, it's it's a win when you make Gardner Minshew have almost 50 passes. It's a win when you make Derek Carr have almost 50 passes. That is good for the defense. It means you are doing something right. So, I believe the Jaguars can do it again this weekend. Najee Harris hasn't been that effective. The Jag- the Steelers' running game in terms of efficiency is like right up there with the Jaguars, but they're getting obviously fewer explosive plays. I think the Jaguars' front is built to stop this specific Steelers, you know, running game. So I think Kenny Pickett's going to have to throw it forty times or more to win, and then I guess you'll see, you know, what the hope defense is. You know, I, I, I just I, I don't think the Jaguars defense has much concern about the Steelers offense. And maybe I look stupid. Maybe Kenny Pickett has a career game. I just think the overall vibe and state of this Jaguars defense and what it's good at, what it thrives at, is perfect for against the Steelers offense. The Steelers offense, they've been one of the worst early downs offenses in the entire NFL, if not the worst. They really struggle at getting yards in first and second down, whereas the Jaguars excel at stopping teams on first and second down. So you're going to see a lot of third and longs. That's where I think this game is going to be won. You know, who who wins on third and long? The Jaguars pass rush from secondary or the Steelers offensive line, skill players, and Kenny Pickett? And I, I take the Jaguars in, in that battle. I, I also think that the Steelers struggled a lot with blitzes last week against the Rams. For whatever reason, it seemed like the Rams kind of stopped doing it some in the second half. But I, I'd expect the Jaguars to bring blitzes a lot. Overall, I just – I don't think the Steelers' offense is, like, one that's overly concerning. I I thought the Saints' offense was more equipped to get the Jaguars' issues. And that's even with the possibility of Monteric Brown starting again this week. I just – I don't think this is a good offense. The Jaguars have done well this year against bad quarterbacks. So – I, I expect that to more or less continue. So going to break real quick and then get into my score prediction. Got Gus's as well. And also get into locks of the week. All right. Real quick. My hot take for this week. And this was, you know, influenced by a big fan of the pod. Ray Roberts, my hot take of the week is Luke Farrell catches a giant touchdown. Luke Farrell. I think the Steelers are going to forget about him. I think you'll see him shipping a lot and then be able to leak out. I I, I think Luke Farrell catches a touchdown this week. So, I, I know, not great in terms of hot take, but is what it is. So, Gus's hot take is that Najee Harris will finish with more attempts than yards, so he'll average under a yard per carry. I love that one. That is – that. I wish Gus was here so I could pat him on the back for good takesmanship because that, that is a strong one. I, I, I like that one. Gus's picks, he has Ridley over 51.5 receiving yards. <laughs> ah, Gus can't quit. He can't quit. He has Najee over 41.5 rushing yards. I agree with that. He has Allen Robinson over 19 and a half receiving yards. I'll be frank. 
I completely forgot Robson was on that team. There you go. Nice little revenge type game. Okay, my picks. My lock of the week, Trevor Lawrence over 233 and a half passing yards. I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has a big week. I I think that Trevor is going to have the kind of week that people have been waiting for him to have. I just don't think that this is a Steelers defense that's very equipped to stop him or the Jaguars you know, overall passing game. I also really like Travis Etienne over – 21 and a half receiving yards. I think this could be a big screen week just because of the, you know, nature of the Steelers defense. You know, they're obviously going to blitz a good bit. Christian Kirk, 53 and a half receiving yards. I would pound that over. Pound it. I, I, I think he easily gets that. Josh Allen, 0.75 sacks. So basically a sack versus half a sack. He gets that. He gets that easy this week. Gus's game prediction is the Jaguars roll 34-10, blow out the Chiefs. I don't hate it. I, I I really don't. I think that this is a game that could be close for some stupid reasons, but I could very easily see the Jaguars just steamrolling the Steelers team. Like, like I said, it's not a it's in my opinion, it's not a good team. Yeah, they're four and two, but it's a very fraudulent four and two. Like they needed the Rams to have multiple missed, you know, field goals, extra points, etc., and then kind of a controversial fourth down. My prediction: I'm not as brazen as Gus. I'll go 2016 Jaguars. I think Trevor Lawrence has like a 300 yard passing day, but like two touchdowns, and I. I think the Jaguars basically go in the cruise control in the second half. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game just because of the nature of, again, T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith. I think that they're going to cause a turnover here and there. It's a road game in a tough environment. But I do think the Jaguars win. They win, you know, maybe not decisively by scoreboard, but there is no doubt leaving the game that the Jaguars are clearly the better team and one of the best teams in the AFC. So, you heard it here first. I I think Jaguars improved the six and two this weekend. I think the Jaguars are going to go into their bye week at the best time possible because you can potentially get guys, you know, back who are injured. Like they have a lot of important guys right now. Like Zay Jones, obviously, Walker Little, Tyson Campbell, Devon Hamilton. Like they have a chance to be much better after the bye personnel wise than they are right now, which is scary because they are rolling right now. So that's my prediction. I think Jaguars win. They head into their Week Ten game against the Fighting Brock Purdy's six and two. Maybe I'm wrong. I just I I'm not moved by Kenny Pickett. I'm not. I specifically remember him having a good preseason game against the Jaguars and a good drive and people freaking out. And no, he, he just he's he's not it in my opinion. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. I am an idiot, but I don't think I'm wrong in this case. So. Thank you guys for joining me. I know this was a shorter episode because I'm, you know, going solo. I don't think you guys want to hear me talk to myself for an hour, though I could definitely do it. So thank you for joining me. Gus and I will be back on Monday to both review the Steelers game and also talk some trade deadline because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff out there in terms of stuff both I'm hearing and moves that just make sense so 
that's a little, you know, bait for you. Go ahead and take the cheese. Come back Monday. We'll be here. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. This is John Shipley and the Jaguar Report Podcast.